Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Masha and the Dogs. I'm Masha, and we are here to talk about dogs, as we always do. And on today's episode, I have another amazing guest joining me today. Her name is Angela, uh, and she's going to introduce herself in just one moment. But before she does that, I just wanted to say that Angela and I uh, sort of started working together, and we met about really like three months or so ago. And I'm so glad that you came into my life. Um, You're like (laughs) one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And we share a love of dogs. So I'm really excited that you're here. Thank you. So Angela, introduce yourself a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you. And thank you for that introduction. Um, I am so excited to have you in my life too. It's been probably one of the best three months out of uh, this pandemic era, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Angela, and um, I am excited to be on Masha and the Dogs because I love dogs, and I am so excited to talk to you about um, everything dogs, but specifically about my little guy, Stanley. Um, and I guess a little bit about me before we even jump into that. So yeah, I've been in the KW area my entire life. Um, I'm a new mom to a little girl named Mila, and she's my absolute light of my life outside of Stanley. Um, And she's really just kind of well rounded our already family and kind of made us whole by coming into play. Um, And yeah, when I'm not with my daughter and my dog, I enjoy yoga and I enjoy reading and just being outside and kind of exploring the world. Um, So that's a little bit about me. Amazing. That's a great intro. Yeah. So Angela is not just a dog mom. She's a human mom too. Yes. so, which is awesome and exciting. Um, but on this podcast, as you know, we, we, we focus on dogs. So Of course. Uh, that's why I had to come on. <laughs> yes. So tell us about Stanley. What is he like? How old is he? You know, sort of those deets. Yeah. So Stanley, he is 10 years old. We're, we're assuming around 10 years old. He is a rescue. Uh, but when we did get him, they had estimated that he was about 10 months old. Uh, so he is a 10 year old boy because he is such a young boy at heart and just so mischievous Aww. and lovable, even at 10 years old. Um, he is, I've always described him as a cross between a black lab and a hound when I've described what he looks like. Um, He's got the hound ears and the hound coloring, but he's got that black lab body. Um, And on his information, it said a mix uh, between the two breeds. But my husband recently, I think it was last year, did a little bit of research and he thinks that he's a bloodhound lab. So when we did some, yeah, when we did some research and he was trying to find out exactly um, what kind of breed he was that was the one that we thought he looked the most like but um yeah so Stanley's 10 years old and if if I could give a voice to Stanley I always think he'd be like hey guys how you doing (laughs) and that's the voice that we use in the house uh when he's getting into little mischievous activities or just being playful um people are always shocked that he's 10 they're they're shocked because you know when he goes outside in the snow, for example, he's still like running and pacing and like rubbing his snout in the snow. He loves to play in the snow and uh, he just gets so hyper still and so excited. And so when I tell people that he's 10 years old, they're just like, wow. And and so I always say that he he's just like a, a young soul at heart. And he's always been like that. Like he's always just been so mischievous and, and um, 
had this like happy, lovable spirit about him. Um, yeah, sounds like he has yeah. a real, real zest for life. And I love that, you know, you say that people are always surprised when they hear that he's 10 years old. But I think there's something to be learned from that, right? Like um, for humans, when we get older, I think it's a good reminder that even though we're older, we don't have to just kind of like wither away somewhere in our house. We can still, you know, live our life and enjoy the snow and go out there and like really just enjoy life like Stanley does. I know, I know. And he does. And he's, you know, I know he's been such an inspiration for me on so many levels in my life. And that's definitely one of them that he's just uh, takes every kind of new moment and gets so excited. And that hound in him always keeps that inquisitive side, which is great. So always getting into uh, anywhere that he can get his nose into (laughs) and follow on a trail. Um, It's funny because there was so many times we would do off off-leash walks in fields and he would just kind of go off and everyone was always like are you like oh my gosh where did he go are you afraid and I was like no he'll come back I know he's on a scent right now and he will come back and he would always come back like running even if it was like five minutes ten minutes tail wagging in the distance and just like just like covered it in dirt and whatever (laughs) kind of craziness he came up against and he just loved it um one time though he actually this was, this was funny. He got away from me. Uh, we had to get away from me. We were doing an off trail walk in the field. And when he came back, I realized that uh, somebody unfortunately had dumped concrete in like this beautiful field and oh, he no. rolled in it. <gasps> so poor that he, yeah. so we were in the middle of a field and he's, he's all excited, but he's kind of just like uncomfortable. Like what is all right. this on me? And uh, I, I took my shirt off because it was the summer. And I was like, I have to wipe him down. Like, I can't let this dry on him. It was caking. So I took my shirt off and I, you know, I'm wiping him down, trying to get as much as I can off of his fur. And here we are driving home and he's just all excited. And I'm in my bra, like (laughs) concrete all over me. I thought, oh gosh, please don't let us have, have a red light because (laughs) people are like, what is happening in this car? (laughs) That's true love. That is a hilarious story. Um, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, now, Angie, you mentioned that um, Stanley was a rescue. You rescued him when he was 10 months old. Can you tell us just a little bit more about the origin story? Like, how did he come to be in your life? Yeah. So I actually got him um, with an ex of mine. So originally, um, my ex and I, we, we decided, okay, we want to get a dog. But it was really important to both of us to rescue a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've gotten a dog from like that wasn't from a rescue when I was younger, and they're so amazing as well. But just in that point in our life, we thought, you know, we want a dog, and we really want to uh, we want to rescue a dog. Right. And so every weekend we would go uh, for probably about a month. We would start going around different rescue shelters, um, just around the KW area. And what's really good for people who don't know, um, at rescue shelters, you can actually go and volunteer to walk the dogs as well. So you don't have to necessarily go if you're looking for an animal, you can just go and say, Hey, I want to take these dogs for a walk, which is really awesome. That's a really Um, good tip. Yeah. 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 So we would go and we would go and see like, okay, what, who has, you know, what dogs do you have? And we would take them for a walk and it was a good kind of um, gauge on the connection and and what was going on there. Um, And we just, we couldn't find one that would really fit. We, we found one we loved. And unfortunately he was just so, so, so um, hyper 
And with our lifestyle, we both traveled a lot. We were just, we were just uncertain. We could give him the attention he needed to kind of calm down. Um, And, and yeah. So anyways, we ended up in Guelph at the Guelph Humane Society one, one weekend. And I will never forget. We walk in and hit Stanley was in, um, like a, a kennel that was like directly in front of the door when you walk in. And so right when I'm walking down the hallway, he just kind of like jumped up both paws on the, on the kennel door. And he was like, <laughs> like his tail wagging and so excited. And he kind of startled me. And at first I thought he was a German shepherd as well. I didn't realize his cross breed that he was just from the initial, uh, like when he jumped up at me, right. so he jumps up and he's in my face and he's, he's so excited. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And so I asked the lady like, you know, tell me about this dog. And she's telling us his backstory. And, um, you know, he had gone through two families before he had, um, actually was taken to the shelter. And unfortunately it was just one of those stories where families decide that they want to have a dog and then decide it, it's a lot of work. Uh, so then they gave him to another family who then decided the same thing. So he, you know, luckily it, it wasn't such, um, a sad story in terms of like any abuse or anything, but there definitely was a lot of neglect that he had experienced in his first 10 months of his life. So when she was telling us, I was shocked at how um, playful and happy he was when he jumped up for having been kind of not given much attention. So we took him for a walk. uh, And I knew like right away, I knew that I love this dog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love him. But you have to go through a process and it's it's a great process that they do where you have to um, give like um, references and things like that. And I remember being super nervous because I just wanted to, even though we had no reason not to. Uh, yeah. And then we got to bring him home. Um, and the funny thing was his name actually was not Stanley at first. Do you it remember what it was? It was, it was King. King. Wow. So why and did you want to call him Stanley? Well, you know, his name was King which I was like, that's a nice name, but I was looking at it and I was like, I just don't know. I just don't see, I don't see you as a king. And so we actually were like, let's let him choose his name. So oh. what, we, what we did was <laughs> came up with a bunch of different names um, and wrote them out on pieces of paper and yeah. then put them in a line with a kibble on top, but equally distributed. So nothing right. would have been given more um, seniority over the other. And then we let him go and whatever, when he first went to, we opened it up to tell him what his name was going to be. Oh my God. So the first one he went to was Stanley. Stanley. Oh my God. That's amazing. I love that. That's so creative. Like he picked his own name. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's, that's his origin story. But I always say that I like, people are like, oh, you know, you rescued Stan, but I'm always like, in the grand scheme of it, like in the relationship that Stan and I have had this whole time, he has honestly rescued me because, um, like he has just been with me through so much ups and downs in my life. Um, and, uh, he just never left my side. And one of the things that's really amazing about Stanley is that he, I feel is so in tuned with his people. Mm-hmm. Like with me, with my husband, with our daughter, um, he's just so in tune with emotions with our, with his people. And I, I don't know. I don't, I think he's just like such a special pup compared to other, other dogs. Um, but, uh, 
I mentioned that um, I bought him with an ex and uh, mm. turns out I was dating a sociopath <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for your next episode. Yeah, um, spilling some tea here while we're talking <laughs> about dogs. Why not? <laughs> but uh, but it it I went through a huge transition in my life um, and really had to kind of like get up and leave everything that I had, my house, my home, like my home, my everything and start, start brand new. Um, and it was a lot and it was, uh, and it was tough. And the only thing that I had, um, that was like my stable and my constant as I kind of rebuilt my life with Stanley. And, uh, you know, my, um, ex was not, uh, active in wanting to even try to have a relationship. Like we tried and to do like joint custody is what we call right, it, right. uh, with, with Stanley and it, and, um, he was flaking a lot on weekends and I just thought it wasn't fair for go, putting him already through a transition. Of so course. it was just me and him. And, um, and, and it, he, he saved me in all of those moments. And that was one of the first things that first times that he really kind of made such a big impact on my life, um, out of many. And my mom said to me that she remembers to this day, I, I moved in with my parents for a little bit as I was in transition. Mm-hmm. And I, I obviously be cuddling him tons and, you know, just kind of being with him. And she said, she remembers hearing me having a conversation with him and, and it broke her heart, made her happy. And I was saying to him, like, I promised Stanley, I'm going to find us a home. I'm going to find us a home. I'm going to build us a home. Um, and I, I'm getting I really... teary eyed here. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. This is so I know. emotional. I know. And, you know, I think it was a very, it was one of the hardest times in my life for so many different reasons. Um, but he, Stanley made me kind of keep pushing through. Yeah. And so he made me want to get us a nice home where he could run around again and have his own space. Cause we were living out of boxes. Um, and you know, he got me out every day for walks and not walks, but trail walks, you know, and out mm-hmm. to ex- keep exploring the world when, you know, in a time in my life, all I wanted to do was probably just crawl up in a ball and just kind of like, let my emotions take over me. Um, he was my why, I, right? He was my why, you know, got, you got to get up and feed him and, and you got to get up and take him for a walk and be there with him. And, um, and when I say he's so in tune for such a playful pup who always is normally hyper in a lot of my like really, um, uh, harder times, he always just kind of like would lay by my side, mm-hmm. even if I had the flu. I was like, Hey, he knows I'm sick. Like he would not, you know, beg for a walk or anything like that. Like he was just by my side. Um, and just he gave would, me so many cuddles and love and just support. He knew what you needed. He knew when you needed to be motivated to get out of bed and take him for a walk. And then he knew when he had to just be chill and kind of just lay by your side and let you have a moment. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And it's, we actually have a photo. Um, my mom again, I'm glad she stopped these moments in this time. Um, one, one day I, I was just cuddling him in his bed and I fell asleep, like spooning him. He's a big dog. So it's, it's, I was the big spoon. He was a little spoon. So I guess he's the medium dog. <laughs> and she captured the photo because I completely just fell asleep spooning him. And then he just like laid there with me just to kind of let me, let me have yeah. a moment with him, which was oh, nice. That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's such a beautiful story. And thank you so much for, you know, sharing like such a personal journey with us. And 
um, yeah, I mean, it really sounds like it's pretty clear why Stanley is your hero. You know, he you rescued him, as you said, but then he was there for you and he really repaid you. Right. And he um, he 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 got you through those tough times when maybe you felt a little bit alone and like you didn't really know what the next step was. And he just kind of showed you like, all right, one day at a time, let's just keep going. Yeah. And then, yeah, one trail walk at a time. We will yeah. figure this out. <laughs> And then do you mind sharing a little bit um, about uh, when um, your husband met Stanley? Like, what was that like? And maybe tell us a little bit about what it was like when um, he got a little sister to now have to look after. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So, you know, it's funny when I when I started to enter the dating world. I wouldn't let people just meet Stan. I was like, I don't want people just meeting my dog. Like he is, he is my child. I'm just not going to introduce him to these men who come into my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big step. It's a big step. So, um, so when I introduced Stanley and, uh, and Brent, um, it was big, it was big for me because I was introducing, you know, the new man of my life to the man of my life (laughs) and my boy. Um, and they they clicked really good and really well immediately. And you know what's funny? And my girlfriends make fun of me because they're like, how did he, Brent not just be like, you are nutty and I'm out of here? Um, <laughs> because I said to Brent, like verbatim, I said, I just want you to know that my dog will always come first. Stanley will always come first over you. So you need to know that is what I just told this new guy that I'm going to date. So um, he was okay with that. <laughs> He accepted it. My friends were like, you have a winner. Um, yes, I would they, definitely say so. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, looking back, I probably should not have said that, but it's what came out. Um, it's okay. Listen, well, it was meant to be, right? It didn't scare him off. It didn't. No. Uh, he was just like, all right, this is, uh, this is the, this is the this girl is the I deal. love. And I'm going to just love him. Yeah. Stan's yeah. going to be, Stanley's going to be part of our life. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, they hit it off. They hit it off. They became best friends. And only, honestly, Masha, it was to the point that like, I would get jealous sometimes. <laughs> and I would say like, I'm absolutely jealous. I'm jealous of the attention Stanley's giving you. I'm jealous of the attention that you're giving Stanley. Like, can somebody please love me over here? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they're still best friends. They're just the best of friends in the world. Um, and I love it. Um, because, uh, it, you know, I always say Stanley knew. Stanley knew Brent was our man before I even knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stanley I'm sure like, this he guy's did. Good. <laughs> well, listen, you know, you say you, you you talked about how intuitive Stanley was, so I'm sure he knew what was going to happen. He was like, "This is the this is the guy my mom's going to marry, so he's going to yes. be part of the family." Yeah, Brent always jokes, but I think he just tries to be funny. Where he says, "When you weren't looking, I was sneaking him treats. That's how I got him to love me." <laughs> And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so they just like, they hit it off and they're, I mean, even to this day, they're just the best of friends. Um, and, and, you know, even if Stanley has rough nights, like a couple of weeks ago, he was just having some little runs. I think he got into something in the backyard. Oh. Um, and uh, Brent went downstairs and slept on the couch to be near the door to let him in and out oh. easily. What um, a good man. Yeah, yeah. Like they're just he's a keeper I had to for be sure. Upstairs. Yeah. 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 I think we'll keep him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um 
And then with, with Mila, when we brought her home. So, you know, the, the amazing thing was, so when I was pregnant, um, again, so in tune with me before I knew I was pregnant, Stan would like extra sniff around me. And he never really ever did that. And I was kind of just like a little bit self-conscious. I was like, what are you doing? Stop. Should, like, I be, should I be taking more showers? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is going on? Um, and then I found out I was pregnant. So, so I was made sense. Oh my goodness. He knew, he knew yeah. I was pregnant and he was so it's the, it's the hound nose on him. I bet you. Yes, hopefully I was going to say that was that. Yeah. And, uh, he was just like, uh, so in tune and during my whole pregnancy, he, he was, um, just, you know, extra snuggly with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, the neat thing was he always wanted to kind of be near me, but he wasn't as like on top of me. So I think he was unsure what was going on. Um, and I actually, I read somewhere that, um, when you're pregnant, dogs can, um, they sense all of the changes that are happening in your body. And like, they can mm-hmm. like, like any of the changes in your, uh, is it pheromones? Like your like all of these yep. things that are happening in you, um, they sense it and it confuses them because they know you and love you, but you don't smell like their the mom. Right. And they're That's so unsure. interesting. Yeah. And so they're just a little bit unsure about what's going on. Um, because, Cause I Googled, why does my, why does my dog does not want to like lay on top me beside me anymore? Like what's going on? Yeah. Um, and he would, he would go to Brent more during my pregnancy. Mm. And, and so, um, that, that was interesting. So it's kind of like, he wanted to make sure I was okay, but he was leaning towards Brent more, which was neat. Um, but when we brought Mila home, uh, at first he wanted nothing to do with her. So <laughs> he would literally walk. And so if we had her to the left of us, he would walk to the right of us to get where he needed to go. If we had her to the right of us, he would walk to the left of us to get to where he needed to go. He just was like, he came up, he sniffed her and he walked away and was like, you know what, parents, I don't know what this is, but I'm unsure. Um, and it, and it was a couple days of it, not very long. And I actually also read that the first time that they will smell the baby's, um, a, a bowel movement, they all, they like can claim the baby for their own. Like they, that's when they kind of start to connect. Uh, so it wasn't too long after. And then he just started really connecting with Mila. Um, and it'd be so cute when she would be in her little bassinet, he would always lay beside it. Um, with people would come over to visit cause this was pre COVID days. Uh, he would always make sure that he was kind of between her and the people and would kind of growl a little bit if people got too close to her. Right. Um, so he's he protecting. He was like, this is my little sister here. Y'all better watch out. You better be nice. <laughs> yes. And you know, to this day, they too are the best friends. Mila loves him. And one of her first words was Stanley, but she says, Tan, Tan. So she says, hi, Tan. Hi, Tan. Every time oh she my sees God, him. That is the cutest thing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, he lets her lay on him. He loves that he, she feeds him every dinner. The of two course. of them are just little, like, they got a little system going. And if you ever in our house at dinner time, um, all you'll hear is me saying like, Mila, stop, Stan, let her eat. Mila, stop <sighs> feeding Stan. <laughs> of course. It sounds like they're great friends. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so they're just the best. And, you know, if she cried a lot when she was a baby or mm-hmm. anything like that, he would always make sure um, to come get us. Actually, this was a, this was a neat um. I mean, thing. The one night she was crying and, 
I had, it was the middle of the night and I had woken up and I was just getting like my house coat and mm-hmm. stuff to go into her room. And uh, Stanley thought that we took too long. And so he came upstairs and he had butted her door open <gasps> and went into oh her room gosh. and did a lap and then left. And I couldn't believe it. And oh I was so gosh. proud of him. He, he went in to take care of her. He was like, um, mom, you're taking too long. It's time for big brother to step in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what a good boy. Okay. Well, that's, I love that story. He was, uh, he was a real big brother in that moment, you know, and he was like, you're, I just need to get in there. I need to make sure my little sister is all good. I'm the protector. I love that. That's a beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing those with us. Oh, um, no problem. So, if you don't mind, we can now uh, get into the historical dog that I did yes. a bit of research on to, to tell you about. I am so excited. I have been waiting all week to hear this. Okay, so I think I picked a good one. And, um, you know, I knew a little bit about Stanley from sort of just our conversations. And you told me, you know, how in tune he is with you and how he got you through so many um, sort of things and how he understood like where you were at in your life and then also his kind of body language like he knew when you needed him and he would be close to you and so um the dog that I picked to tell you about is a dog named Yofi or Jofi but I'm pretty sure it's Yofi um and she was a chow chow and she was actually a very important dog in um science she was Sigmund Freud's dog oh yeah so um I'm sure you know who Freud is I think yes yeah I know most people know him but um just to kind of give like a short overview just in case uh Freud was an Austrian neurologist uh, and he established psychoanalysis which is basically a, a clinical method for treating psych psychopathology through dialogue between a patient and a psychoanalyst that's the uh definition that i got but basically he's the og therapist (laughs) that's what's going on here um now this is the most brief overview of Freud i can come up with um but he's obviously known for you know plethora of other achievements and discoveries related to the human psyche um and some of them are you know quite controversial um, but he was also Jewish, and although he he died before World War II, he was alive when kind of Nazis were coming to power, so he did have to escape for his life. Um, oh, and I actually did not know that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's a little tidbit about him. But, um, you know, we could talk about Freud endlessly, but this, this podcast is not about historic humans. Uh, it's about historic <laughs> dogs. Um, and for... The audience out there, if you want to know more about Freud, just Google him. Trust me, there is so much information. Um, But now we're moving on to talk about his dogs. So what I find really interesting is that um, unlike you and I, Freud didn't become a dog dad until he was in his 70s. Wow. I don't know what the heck this man was thinking. Um, And I really don't know how he lived his life before this. Um, But apparently... Once he welcomed dogs into his life, um, he fell incredibly deeply in love. Um, And from what I understand, he had four dogs during his lifetime. The first one was Wolf, uh, who was a German shepherd, but he was really his his daughter's dog, Anna. Yes. Um, And then he got his first Chow Chow. Her name was Lun Yu. 
Um, and then he had Yofi, who we're going to spend the most of time talking about, and she was with him for seven years. Um, and then Yofi's sister, uh, also another Chow Chow named Lun, um, was with him until his death. And there was a little bit, uh, an interesting tidbit of information that I'll share at the end about that last dog. Yes. So, how did Yofi come into Freud's life? Let's let's learn about it. Um, so, in 1928, uh a woman named Dorothy Burlingham, who was a close friend of Freud's daughters, um, gave Freud one of her beautiful chow chows named Lun Yu. So this was Freud's first dog, and he fell absolutely madly in love with her. And I think we know what that's like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, now, the sad bit about this is that they were only together for a short 15 months because, unfortunately, oh, wow. uh, she was run over by a train. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, you know, different times, I guess, she, he was, she was off leash, an accident happened. Um, and Freud apparently was incredibly devastated by this loss, and he grieved her like he would grieve, like, a human child, essentially. Of course. Um, and it, um, it took him seven months before he said, okay, I'm ready to sort of look at welcoming another dog into my life. Um, so it's interesting, uh, but by 1930, so we're getting pretty close to like the whole Nazi situation escalating, uh, almost all of Freud's old friends and colleagues were, you know, either dead <laughs> abroad or they were at odds with him because he was quite a controversial figure, even in, yes. in his day. Um, and what's interesting is that for somebody who was really known for keeping his emotions under control, Freud was beginning to um, show uncharacteristic irritation with his wife, Marta. And I'll touch, I think, briefly on why I think that was happening. Okay. Um, but it was probably a symptom of, you know, more greater underlying dissatisfaction that he had. Um, so when um, essentially then after, you know, seven months had passed after his first dog died and then eventually he was able to kind of make room in his heart for another dog and he got another chow chow from the same friend um, and that was Yofi. Oh. So she actually became his inseparable companion uh, for the seven years of her life. Um, and Freud kept a lot of diaries and he often wrote about her in his diaries and um there's an observation here that uh he made in one of his journals and it's about yofi and he said she's a charming creature so interesting in her feminine characteristics too wild impulsive intelligent and yet not so not so dependent as dogs often are so i'm going to translate this to say that he thought his dog was the most special dog in the world yes <laughs> Which I think every dog pairing can probably relate to. Yes. Um, so unfortunately, soon after Yofi arrived, Freud had to take him uh, to make a lengthy visit to Berlin because he actually at that point in time had uh, cancer in his jaw, uh, which is very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But he had to go to Berlin to have a um, like a prosthetic piece, I guess, fitted onto his jaw. Um, oh. And his wife, Marta, was not fond of dogs. And oh, I don't no. know, but if you ask me, probably this is part of the reason why Freud was That's what to... I was thinking. You cannot trust her. <laughs> no, and he was probably just starting to get irritated with her. Like, holy heck, if my, you know, imagine if your husband didn't like dogs, he wouldn't be your husband. <laughs> I was going to say he wouldn't be my husband. 
<laughs> That's right. So I think uh, this is the uh, the true um, problem here. Um, so unfortunately, because you know Marta didn't like dogs, um, and Freud was in Berlin, Yofi had to go in um, the kennels. And uh, when Freud wrote to his wife, he used to say, is anyone visiting Yofi? I miss her a great deal. I don't think he told oh. his wife that he missed her. He was mostly talking about missing his dogs. <laughs> um, the good news, though, is that once uh, Freud was back and they were reunited, um, Yofi basically became his little shadow. She followed him everywhere. Uh, oh. There was no activity that she was excluded from. And this is interesting because, um, so as I mentioned, he had cancer uh, in his jaw. So it made it very hard for him to like chew his food. Um, hmm. It was really quite painful for him. So he fed Yofi his, uh, be the best morsels of his food. So he would actually basically give her like his entire dinner um, and let her oh, eat it. Oh my goodness. And you... um, yeah. No, I was just going to say that is true love. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is that I was reading, too, that he actually took great joy in that. So even though he couldn't enjoy the food himself because it caused him quite a bit of pain to chew, watching Yofi kind of, you know, enjoy the food that he was supposed to eat brought him actually a lot of joy and a lot of happiness, which I thought was really sweet. That is so sweet. Um, it did, however, contribute to Yofi's roly-poly figure <laughs> oh so i she was a little bit she was a little bit chubby you know she definitely was chow chowing <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but that's okay so this is the part where i think it gets really interesting and when we start to talk about like dogs um ability to intuit people's emotions and really kind of being you know understanding what was going on so when freud was working uh he was seeing patients in his office and yofi was basically always present and uh freud didn't much care what you thought about dogs yofi was going to be there yeah which definitely <laughs> that's we fair. understand yeah um and so freud noticed that yofi had a really calming effect uh on his patients particularly on children Wow. Um, I don't know. Does that does Mila kind of chill out a little bit when Stan Stanley comes around her? Does she does do you do you find that he has a calming effect on Mila too? Yeah, I find uh I'm 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 thinking and I'm laughing because I feel like Mila is just a little she just loves like petting and playing around with them, gets all hyped up. But the two of them do together kind of calm down and and start to kind of relax and lean on each other and yeah. Right. So I think that's fair, and Freud definitely noticed that. Um, and he actually admitted that Yofi helped him assess his patients, which is not surprising. Yeah. Right? Because you were mentioning how Stanley kind of intuitively knew what you needed when you were kind of going through some rough times and when he needed to take you out for a walk and when he needed to <laughs> just be a calming presence by your side, right? Yeah. Um. So... He noticed that when patients were calm, Yofi would sit, sit close to them. Uh, and then if she moved across or far away from them so that they couldn't touch her, he knew that they were quite anxious. Wow. Which I'm sure was helpful for him as a psychotherapist. Yeah. Um, 
He also noticed that patients would respond more openly and candidly when Yofi was present, um, which interesting. is interesting. And he said that her judgment was unaffected by pretense. And I think this is key, right? Because, like, you could try to fool us like your therapist, but a dog's always going to see through your nonsense. Oh, yeah. They're always going to pick up on that scent. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and so... He wrote in one of his diaries again, dogs love their friends and bite their enemies, quite unlike people who are incapable of pure love and always have to mix love and hate in their object relations. Um, I mean, strong words perhaps, but I think that what he's trying to say here is that Freud, uh, you know, had come to, he'd come to a realization that dogs are superior to humans. Um, I see what he's saying though. Like, your dog either likes you or doesn't like you. There's no in between. Yeah. Like right? they're going to like a person or they're not going to like a person. And uh, I mean, I could admire that. There's no messing around. You know where you stand. <laughs> exactly. Right. And uh, yeah. And yeah, with humans, it's uh, not always like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so <clears throat> during therapy, uh, Yofi would lie alongside the couch uh, and Freud would often talk through her to his patients which I think is just so cute. <laughs> um, and so cute. this man named Dr. Grinker, he was a psychiatrist that Freud analyzed in 1932. He noted in his journal that if Yofi scratched to be left out, Freud would say, Yofi doesn't approve of what you're saying. And if she, <laughs> wanted, she wanted to come back in, he would say, Yofi has decided to give you another chance. Interesting. Which I think kind of goes back to, remember how you were saying, like, if Stanley had a voice, I think he was, Freud was kind of, like, trying to be Yofi's voice and say, this is what she's saying here. <laughs> exactly. You can hear it. When you are connected, you can hear. You just hear that dog's personality coming through. <laughs> right? Um, so... Once, uh, when Dr. Drinker, Grinker sorry, was emoting vigorously, so I guess he was having some type of a breakthrough, Yofi jumped up on top of him and Freud said, You see, Yofi, so excited that you've been able to discover the source of your anxiety. Oh my god. Why are therapists not using dogs today? Like, are they? I'm not even sure, but this just seems like, why yeah. would you not? Yeah, right. So I'll I'll kind of um I'll touch on it a little bit in in a minute here, but um you know, we mentioned already that Freud had cancer of the jaw. So as his illness progressed, um you know, working for him became quite wearisome and uh but Yofi was always with him. And this is this is I think is so great. Obviously she un realized that her her da dad was, you know, quite ill. Um, yes. And she would never let him go past the hour on his therapy sessions. So interesting. Exactly at um, fifty minutes, not by even a minute. She would um, start stretching and yawning and being like, "All right, it's time, time to, to wrap up." Wow. Which I think like dogs know what time it is, right? Like I'm sure Stanley knows when it's dinner time or when it's breakfast time or whatever. Yes, yes. If it's 7.01, he is like, you are one minute late. Where is my dinner? <laughs> <laughs> right? So she she knew. Um, but also I think she was looking out for Freud probably because, you know, she knew he wasn't feeling well and she would be like, all right, it's time for you to, to yeah. finish this up. Um, and Yofi also 
comforted Freud a lot during the period when he underwent um, a painful of serious op op operations on his mouth. So he wrote to his friend, um, a lady named Marie Bonaparte, on one occasion. He said, I wish you could have seen with me what sympathy Yofi shows me during these hellish days as if she understood everything. Which oh, she probably I love did. It. She did. I love that. Yeah. Um, and so... In January of 1937, unfortunately, Yofi had to have a complicated surgery to remove some ovarian cysts. Um, and, you know, 1937, even yeah. human science wasn't really amazing, but um, probably even more so for dogs. So unfortunately, she had complications after surgery and she passed away from heart failure on January 11th, 1937. Um, and she was seven years old. So, you know, hearing the story of Yofi, she didn't necessarily do anything that was, like, extremely heroic. Um, and I would say she was actually pretty lucky because uh, for a dog during that time, she lived a very comfortable life with quite a wealthy yes. man. Yes. <laughs> However, I think her contributions to the field of psychoanalysis are really noteworthy because um, now dogs are actually uh, used in various therapy sessions they are oh yeah. that's amazing so they actually have you know therapy dogs um i know that they're used with children um definitely helps them like feel more calm more at ease um i know that you know they have therapy dogs now um sometimes for witnesses during like court hearings yeah, and actually, when I originally had said, why do they not have them in therapy sessions? I was just thinking kind of like the one-on-one -on -one therapy sessions. Um, it's like an adult with a therapist or something, but you're right. They they have them. I remember even at my grandmother's um, old age home, they would bring a dog in once a week um, mm -hmm. just to brighten everybody's spirits yeah. and go through the home and like let them pet him. and. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because when I was in university, um, they – introduced um they started to bring therapy dogs in once a week and they actually saw suicide rates among students decrease particularly during like exam seasons as a wow. result of these dogs coming in and students just having an hour to just sit with a dog like you didn't even have to you know just talk to them you know pet them whatever and it yeah. had a huge positive effect and I can totally see that because like when you think about it, when you're with a dog, they just listen and give you love. And that's mm -hmm. all. They just, they, they listen to you. They don't judge. They don't talk back and they just give you the love and support and attention that you need in that moment. And it's, it's like, you can take all of your, they take all of our energy, you know, good, bad, ugly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing when you think about it, because what others being in this world would openly take every bit of your energy, you know, even when it's not the best and then sit there and give you love through it all. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, as we heard a quote from Freud here earlier, but it's also unpretentious, right? So mm -hmm. they're, they're not doing it for some sort of a, I don't know, bonus or like they think because they want you like, it's just genuine. Right. And I it's think genuine. that's what makes it so magical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was so interesting that she was really um, kind of opened 
I, I guess in a way, um, at least for, for Freud, <clears throat> this kind of understanding that dogs could be such powerful um, in the, so powerful in therapy. And, you know, he, he really did rely on her to help him in the analysis of his patients. Uh, so she was basically kind of like a colleague to him. And I think, you know, this really highlights the power of dogs to understand humans even better mm-hmm. than like we understand ourselves sometimes. Yes. Um, and before we wrap up, I just wanted to mention that after Yofi's passing, uh, Freud was obviously devastated, but he knew he couldn't live uh, the remainder of his life without a dog. So the day after Yofi passed away, he did um, welcome another chow, chow named Lun, um, back into his life. And she was actually Yofi's sister. Oh, I love it. Um, yes. And then sh- she hung out with him and uh, they really got along great. But as um, Freud neared kind of the end of his illness and the end of his life, she, um, the dog actually became to, started to avoid him. And he thought it was because of the kind of, the, the scent of disease that was coming from his face um, oh. because of the cancer in his jaw. And he wasn't he wasn't mad at the dog at all. He basically said, listen, I wouldn't want to hang out with me either right now. But unfortunately, he became depressed um, and oh, he was no. in a lot of pain. And uh, he passed away on September 23rd, 1939 after receiving a lethal dose of morphine. Um, oh, my goodness. And I just, I just wanted to finish here... Um, with a quote from one of the entries in his diaries, um, and I thought it was so powerful. It said, "Often when working with y- when sorry, he said often when stroking Yofi, I have caught myself humming a melody which, unmusical as I am, I can't help recognizing as the aria from Don Giovanni, a bond of friendship unites us both." Oh, I love that. That is the best way to end. Yep, and that is the story of one of the most important dogs in the field of psychoanalysis, Yofi Freud. Oh my goodness, I love it. I was, I had no idea, and I'm just so grateful for everything (laughs) that he has done. (laughs) Yeah, I I just thought that, you know, it would be such a kind of a good fit to talk about Yofi, and since, you know, Stanley was obviously such a, had such a therapeutic effect and such a connection with you and the people around you I thought it was it's not just Stanley dogs have this innate power to just know what's going on with people and I think it's so so cool it is it is and um yeah like I just I can't even I can't even put into words how powerful it is but it's absolutely amazing and I'm just so grateful that he came into our lives Um, I'm so grateful that, you know, our daughter is growing up with him as a brother and yeah, it's just amazing. They are amazing. All right. Well, and on that note, we'll wrap up here. Thank you, Angela, so much for coming and chatting with us about Stanley. Is there anywhere that, uh, listeners here can follow him on social media or anything like that? No, that's okay. Hey, maybe one day you're going to create him an Instagram account because now you're going to have a whole slew of people being like, I should have so many pictures, amazing pictures, because I I am his paparazzi. So I will have to up my social media game for the both of us and I will get him on there. (laughs) No worries. But in the meantime, maybe uh, maybe I can ask you to send me a picture of Stanley that you like so I can put it put it on um uh the masha and the dogs instagram uh when i i post about this episode so everybody can see how lovely he is yes i will i'll send you a couple because he's just so cute 
Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Thanks, Angela, for coming on. And that's it for me. I am uh, so glad that you guys tuned in and listened. Thank you so much. And I hope that uh, you're going to join us next time to chat about uh, another amazing historical dog and hear about a uh, real-time hero dog. Uh, But for now, have a great day and go cuddle your dog.